Welcome to the Business Awards Show, where we share valuable information and secret nuggets to get your award entry notice by the judges for all the right reasons. Our weekly episodes also feature inspirational interviews with winners, judges and sponsors. So let's dive in and start your journey to award-winning success. Debbie Gilbert from the Business Awards Show and I'm also the owner of the Best Business Women Awards and today I'm delighted that I'm joined by Karen Young from Safe Hands Canine Massage um, who's going to talk to us today uh, about her business and also about her recent silver award at the Best Business Women Awards for Animal Services. So welcome Karen, hello! Hello, hi there. Hi. So, Carrie, you work with our four-legged friends, the lovely dogs that we all absolutely adore. So tell us a bit about what you do and how you got into this business. Um, okay, well, it, it probably starts um, in 2013 when I was working in construction um, in a male-dominated environment with very male-dominated targets that were completely unrealistic. Um, and that sent me into a spiral of depression, really, as, as usually would do. Um, so I finally got out of that um, because I wanted to be able to set my own targets. I set my own quite rigid um, expectations um, and I get upset when I don't meet them, but at least they're mine. Um, so I can at least set them more realistically. Um, so I was looking to set up my own business. I wanted a dog and I wanted flexibility. And I realized actually I probably could set up a business working with dogs that didn't involve walking around fields and actually helped them to live better lives. And then when I adopted my own dog, um, I realized just how tight and painful she was. She was in a rescue for over a year and she was in quite a state when I adopted her. Um, and I had seen my dad doing random massage techniques with my mum for years and years and years. So I just, it just kind of goes in by osmosis. So the first thing I thought of doing was trying to help her relax a little bit from being so wound up. I mean, she's half greyhound, so she's naturally kind of wound anyway. Um, and that really worked. So I then took the plunge to do a two-year course in canine massage, um, which allowed me to set up this business. Um, and that's really where I started. And I have not looked back since. I have my own very rigid targets. Um, which sometimes I don't meet, but I know why, and I can stand by that, and I don't have to deal with anyone else's ridiculous targets. So I'm <laughs> very, very pleased. Fantastic. So you obviously deal with the owners who bring their dogs to you, who've got mobility problems, that sort of thing. What sort of things are you yeah. doing in your day to day? So I will be dealing with dogs that have an intermittent limp that no one's been able to diagnose and the owners have been trying desperately for months and sometimes years to try and resolve. Or I might be dealing with a very young dog that's about to start agility and the owners want to make sure that they stay healthy and that we can manage their agility career um, in a way that reduces injury. Um, often I'll be um, seeing dogs that are arthritic. So the older dogs that are starting to slow down on their walks. Mm. And some dogs I'm seeing just for palliative care. They're in uh, the last stages of life. 
the pain relief is limited in what it can provide and I just help to ease that process so from the beginning of their lives to the end of their lives whether they're lame or not um I, I only treat dogs so it's quite handy I don't I don't go near cats they've got way too many weapons um <laughs> and, and um yeah so I only treat dogs but I like to think that by treating the dog I also am sort of treating the human owners because often they're coming into the clinic stressed worried um anxious frustrated um and I help to give them some hope and some confidence going forward with their dogs oh that's amazing so when you started this business obviously you came from the world of construction so you've never run a business before tell our listeners a little bit about those early first few months of getting the business set up and how you managed to get those first few clients through the door yeah well the first few clients came through the door from recommendations from personal contacts um and they were few and far between because canine massage is actually still new in the UK. So it's not like I'm setting up an established business model that people have already understood and then um, the vet practices are happy to refer to. Um, so that was the, the first thing was understanding that setting up a business isn't the same as having a, a full client list and that the time it takes to build from nothing to where I am now is actually years in the making and it always would be pandemic or no pandemic. Um, so understanding that, and I was quite lucky in that the people that ran the course were very clear when I said, this is how many dogs I want to treat a week. And they said, you may want to rethink that strategy because it's going to take you a while to get to that. Um, and initially I thought, oh, they're, they're, they don't know what they're talking about. Obviously there's lots of dogs out there. They all need help. I can see it when I go on walks. Um, but yeah, it, it helped to set this sort of the, and the level of expectation was lowered, um, which was lucky. And it allowed me the time to set up other, other things because it's not just about finding a business name, it's putting the procedures in place, making sure that you're covered legally and your insurances are in place. Getting my, my business premises built was another, another issue. And, and, um, and then just trying to make sure that all my processes, so I started treating dogs um, before I had things like standard invoice templates in place. And that's fine when you've only got a few, but once you start to, once the snowball starts to roll, it gets harder and harder to bring in uh, normal business practices. But I'd always had those in other companies. So I'd never, it never entered my head that actually it might be a good idea to have a, a receipt based, because a lot of people are claiming on their insurance. They need receipts. It's not, it's not an optional. <laughs> So, so that was a that was an interesting kind of experience understanding oh yeah okay those pieces of paper actually have a, a genuine reason I thought I'd go away from that when I left the corporate world but no so that was that was a surprise um and I don't think you should I don't think any business owner should underestimate the amount of paperwork actually involved in running a business it doesn't matter how far away you try and get away from paperwork it always seems to catch you in the end so is one of your challenges educating people that your service actually exists? Yes. Um, firstly, it's educating people. People see canine massage on Facebook and other things, and they see these silly little memes with a dog on their back with cucumber on their eyes and, and towels around their shoulders. 
and um, it doesn't help the image. Um, and obviously human massage also has an issue associated with it. So trying to get the concept that massage is a therapy, it's a therapeutic um, activity. It supports the dog to recover from injury and surgery. It keeps them less um, likely to injure themselves and it keeps them mobile and, and saves them a lot of pain in the long term. And I can catch injuries before they actually occur. So I can find issues before the owner spots the lameness, which can often save a lot of money and a lot of heartache. Um, but trying to explain that to someone when the public perception of massage is very much a sort of a fluffy, um, spoiled dog syndrome is tricky. Mm. But luckily, I've got a lot of clients now that don't hide behind a bush and, and, and pretend, you know, now sometimes you're a bit embarrassed that you're taking your dog for a massage. That was how it was at first. People were like, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with what you do. Don't really want to tell my mates because it might make me look a bit silly. That's all changing now. And people are literally going out there and saying, you really do need to, to consider it as an option because it's it turned my dog around. So it's starting to work, but it's a long process. So what other ways are you... Um, what other channels are you using to actually promote your business aside from sort of Facebook and referrals from existing clients? Is there anything else you're doing to always raise awareness of canine massage? Yeah, well, every client I see, I write a vet report for, um, which obviously goes to the referral vet. I can't treat a dog unless a vet has said that the dog. Right, so they have to come via their vet. They have to come via the vet. So I have to have the vets understanding what I do in order for them to sign off on the forms. So I'm going to see vets. I'm speaking to vets. I'm talking to them about my, my qualifications, the level of training I've had, the fact that I'm a member of a professional body. Mm-hmm. So give them the confidence to sign those forms because it's not regulated. Anyone in this country can say they're a canine massage therapist wow. and they can do it with or without training. And there's no qualification, there's no quality training mark to be sure what you're, what you're getting. So it's a difficult market to get into because there are lots of people out there mis-selling the service. Um, and then obviously vets are not keen to sign off if they're not sure who you are. So I'm doing a lot of work around reassuring vets in, um, in practice about my level of expertise and my professionalism which is starting to really pay off now. It was a bit difficult in um, in lockdown when you couldn't speak to a vet for mm. a million pounds. Trying to get in to see a vet was tricky, but um, they're starting to open up and I'm starting to get in and, and start talking to them again now. How bad was your business impacted by the pandemic? <laughs> um, well, I didn't work at all for the first two lockdowns. Mm. Um, so that would be the first quarter of last year and the whole of November. And then from January till end of mid-April, I could only work on those dogs that were were classified by their vet as urgent um, wellbeing cases. So it meant that a lot of the maintenance treatments that I would do to reduce the risk of injury, I couldn't couldn't do it because they didn't. When, as as soon as the government puts in place a stay-at-home requirement, I can't ask people to come out to my clinic. Mm. So it, it, that was just tricky. So yeah, over half the year, um, I was either unable to or seriously restricted in what I did last year. Wow. 
Yeah, but that was good in a way because it let me, it gave me the time to put in place the paperwork that I had been not so good at. Um, it allowed me the time to start networking. So I'm now actively networking with um, women's groups because mostly the clients that come to me are women with their dogs. Um, I don't know why most men don't seem to notice their dogs when they're lame. I don't really get that, but I think a woman... They're, the dog is often like their children and if their children were ill they would know about it and if the dog's ill they know about it so um a lot of my clients are coming in from from those sorts of referrals as well now which is really good news so even though I was locked in the house unable to see dogs I could at least see dog owners through networking events which yeah. is what I, which is how I sort of switched across you keep your presence out there yeah so obviously this is the business award show. So we're going to talk a bit about um, awards now. So what was your decision behind entering the Best Business Women Awards? Well, I'd come to a couple of, um, of the introduction to awards seminars. Um, I've been looking at awards for some time, but not having the confidence to apply. Um, and in lockdown, my confidence was getting quite low because I wasn't able to do what I think I'm good at and, and if you can't do what you're good at you start to doubt yourself so and I had the time on my hands and an application came out and I was like okay well I've got nothing else to do and actually this could be really useful in terms of resetting where I am why I'm doing this and giving me a structure to assess my business and, and what I want and where I want to go so I didn't really apply for the award for the award as such but I it was more a case of like let's find out more about my business how it operates why I do it um and what the profile the growth profiles look like um so that I can get some idea of you know do I really need to seriously rethink my, my strategies or can I am I actually on the right path and it's just something out of my control so it was really that opportunity in a structured way to you know and a safe space because awards you it is kind of a safe place to do that experimenting and that um, analysis um, and you don't tend to go down too many rabbit holes because the structure helps kind of keep yeah. you so you were using it as the 360 degree review of your business really initially so yeah. how did it feel when the email dropped through that you were selected as a finalist well I, I was astounded really because I was really <laughs> that was not the purpose of the um, application um, once I'd filled in that and done the 360 analysis and put everything together, I thought, well, I might as well submit it because I've done, I've done all the work. Um, so I was very surprised to have um, be become um, shortlisted as a finalist. That was, um, yeah, it was, it was thrilling to, to receive the email and I didn't know what to do with myself, really. Luckily, at that point, I had opened up my business again. And so I could tell everyone and anyone that came into the clinic I think I'd have exploded if I'd have, if I'd have not had an outlet to um, kind of mention it once or twice. So. And how did it feel to get your silver award and get that recognition for everything that you've done over the last few years? It was it was lovely. It's quite a place in my clinic at the moment. Um, yeah, it was a really nice experience. It was very odd because I'm not a sociable person. One of the reasons you work with dogs is you don't have to work too much with large numbers of humans. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of, kind of one of the really, really good things about it. Um, and so an award ceremony with large numbers of humans would have been tricky without COVID and without being kind of locked up for a year. 
So it was a tricky evening for me from a sort of personal point of view. But um, yeah, I'm really glad I went. Sometimes you have to be put into an awkward position to realise that, yes, actually, you can still cope with that position. You can still cope with it. Um, and that was how the awards felt initially to me. It was like, what the hell am I doing here? All these people that are all dressed up and glamorous and look really comfortable in, in human company. And I'm sort of sitting there thinking, I'm not entirely sure I like this very much. But I really did enjoy the, the ceremony. It was lovely to see so many people um, up on that stage. Um, and yeah, it was, don't have very many, many nights out out at the moment. <laughs> so <laughs> I know, it, was, <laughs> it was lovely to just be out um, and to have a nice dinner and speak to some lovely people. And there were some just amazing women on my table that, that I got to got to know whilst I was there. So yeah. And you had such an amazing category. I mean, all the women in there were all working with animals. Um, and I mean, Olivia commented who was the gold winner of that category, who owns cute little pigs about, it was nice to be out without our Wellingtons on. <laughs> so I don't think you were on your own feeling a little bit like, oh, I don't normally glam up in my job. This is like out of my comfort zone. <laughs> no, no. And we do work with animals because often we have an affinity with them. Yeah. Having an affinity with animals doesn't always correlate to an affinity with large crowds of people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, since the award win, did you send out a press release? Have you done anything about it? Have you told your customers? What have you done? Oh, it's everywhere, obviously. Um, it's on my LinkedIn profile, it's all over my Facebook, it's all over my website. It's um, There was a press release went out in the local paper. Brilliant. Um, so you got some publicity in your local paper, which is always great. Yeah, I got some publicity there. I did send out something to the um, Aylesbury uh, paper, but that hasn't been published yet. But they tend to be a month behind, so I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. I might, I might, it might appear in the Christmas edition. Who knows? <laughs> But yeah, it got it got me out and about, and I did put a press release out when I was um, selected as a finalist, and then again when I was a, when I after the award ceremony. So I got two two bangs for the buck oh, on that one, which is Amazing. really good. And has this whetted your appetite for more awards for next year? Have you started to look at other things that you could possibly enter, maybe some local business awards or other national women's awards? Um, I'm not necessarily focused on women's awards. Um, I am looking at women. Uh, awards in general um i'm torn between the local ones because and i don't want to go for a popularity contest no because I, I just don't see that that's a genuine award if you can get no. people to thumbs up your business um that just means you've got a big network that doesn't mean very much actually so i don't really want to go down that road if i'm going to go for an award it would need to be a proper judged award I'm looking at, at options. Um, I probably will enter again for the Business Women's Awards. And there is um there is a couple locally that I'm 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 looking at at the moment with a view to maybe entering. Um, so yeah, it is going to be part of my strategy going forward because it actually helps it helps with me reviewing where I am and whether I'm doing the right things and stuff. And even from that point of view, it has it has a value to it so yeah. that's and, it, and it's great validation for the work you're doing with the animals and the more people that know about what you're doing and you know the more people you're going to reach in terms of helping other dogs with all these issues that they've got so i think there's so many layers there for you yeah um, anything i can do to get canine massage out there as a genuine therapy for dogs that makes a difference to their lives 
and supports the human owners through what can often be very difficult and isolating times. I'm going to milk that for all I can get, really, because it, it needs to be done. People need to know that it's there. They know about hydrotherapy. They know about physiotherapy. And now they need to know about massage as a therapy. I don't fluff around with my dogs, but I do make a difference to their lives. So That's amazing. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for joining me. And we'll add your details and your links on the post as well so people know how to get hold of you. So thank you, Karen. Thank you for joining us on the Business Awards show. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business Awards show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on social media or leave a rating or review. To catch all of the latest information and show notes, please go over to our website, businessawardshow.co.uk. Thank you.